Welcome to Neo Chats, an interview-style podcast focusing on educating neonatal nurses, caring for newborns and their families, hosted by Jenna Morton. It is a project of the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses, a nonprofit organization committed to the health and well-being of newborns and their families. Navigating the neonatal intensive care unit can be traumatic for patient families, as well as the healthcare staff by their side. The global pandemic is adding another layer of complexity to that, with some families facing COVID-positive diagnosis alongside NICU stays. To help you better understand what might be happening and how to help address it, particularly in the context of helping families navigate PTSD symptoms and diagnosis, we're joined now by Dr. Leslie Moreland. Dr. Moreland is a professor of psychiatry at the University of California, San Diego, a clinical psychologist specializing in PTSD, and co-author of a report on Couple Hopes, a guided online intervention program for intimate partners dealing with PTSD symptoms. Welcome to NeoChats. Great. Thank you so much for having me. So I know that there's, there's a fair amount of awareness now around that term PTSD, but let's really kind of anchor this discussion to start with a reminder of what we're talking about. Absolutely. And I, and I appreciate that question because um, I don't think PTSD is, is under, as well understood as a lot of other conditions. And so post-traumatic stress disorder is, is quite common and it can be quite debilitating for an individual, but certainly also impact an individual's family system, um, whether it be intimate partner relationships, um, parenting. Um, but specifically, what is PTSD? Uh, first and foremost, it occurs um, after someone has been exposed to a traumatic event of some type, an event that um, has been considered rendering them helpless. Um, and um, then there's usually four clusters of symptoms that are quite common in the presentation of PTSD. So the first cluster is um, you know, most commonly considered intrusive symptoms where the person might have nightmares or flashbacks or um, intrusive thoughts about the past traumatic experience. And the second common cluster of symptoms is hyperarousal. And this is where the person might feel on guard um, or you know, hypervigilant. And sometimes this can manifest in also irritability, a person just feeling kind of irritable at all times and kind of ready for something to happen. And then the third cluster is avoidance. And this is where the person um, might learn over time to avoid um, people or places or things that might actually remind them of actually what happened, the traumatic event, or even feelings that might come up if they were exposed to some of these situations. And then the last one, um, which I think is particularly um, problematic for relationships, numbing. And this is where the person might feel disconnected from others, um, have a hard time feeling um, positive or negative emotions, and might just feel um, like just in general a little bit numb. And so you can also imagine how that might impact um, relationships. And as I mentioned, um, what's important about PTSD is that, you know, one is kind of understanding what it is, um, and two is understanding that it doesn't just impact the individual struggling with PTSD, but the nature of the symptoms are such that it will also impact um, their system that they're living within. I think that, you know, most of our audience are, are nurses and healthcare workers. They're, they're used to seeing some symptoms and maybe being able to identify them in patient families, but what about with themselves and with coworkers? What are some of the symptoms in, in both groups that we should be looking for and be aware of in a situation? 
Well, I think that's a great question. And I think there are populations that are more vulnerable than others. And so one is just being aware of a population that might be vulnerable. So certainly we know a lot about you know, combat veterans, for example, a population that we're getting a lot more recent information about is um, healthcare workers and first responders, where by nature of the job they're in, they do get exposed um, to uh, traumatic experiences, to death, to loss, to situations where they maybe don't have as much ability to um, impact the, and control the situation. Particularly most recently, even with COVID, we're finding that a lot of folks that have been working on the COVID unit um, might, might be more vulnerable to PTSD. And common symptoms that you might see that won't necessarily immediately pop out to you as PTSD, but you start to be thoughtful about, you know, is this a population that's had exposure, is um, things like someone who might become a little bit more isolative, um, maybe more staying at home more, um, sleep disruption, um, feeling jumpy, easily startled, on guard, irritable. Um, some of these symptoms where the person might just seem um, a little bit not like themselves. Um, Again, keeping in mind, if someone's not sleeping well at night, that also is going to impact them if they're having nightmares, things like that. But most important is just, just being aware if this is a population where you think that there maybe has been some exposure, some traumatic stress in their life. I'm wondering about where the, I guess, the line comes between just being in a stressful situation or being in a state of dealing with PTSD. I'm thinking, of, you know, especially with NICU families, they're in a pressure cooker situation. At what point can we see that it's kind of crossing that line or maybe there's some previous trauma that that's bringing it up? And I think that's a, an excellent point because um, one is, you know, what is stress um, and a, a very normal reaction to a lot of stress um, and what is traumatic stress and what is PTSD? And you know, we do have these kind of classification symptoms, like, you, you know, in order to actually be what we call, you know, having post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and it is distinct from just having, you know, an, um, kind of a lot of stress in your life. Um, usually with um, PTSD, again, you have a certain amount of these symptoms um, that are present um, and they occur for, you know, at least 30 days following the traumatic event. And it's also starting to disrupt your life um, in ways that make it hard for you to um, go about your day-to-day -day life. And um, so it's, it's a kind of a distinct presentation of a series of symptoms that are in direct response to a specific traumatic event. So if there was a, um, a loss of a loved one or a near loss of a loved one, and the person is continuing to re-experience this, in the form of, again, intrusive thoughts and nightmares um, and getting very um, on guard about doing things in their life for fear of being reminded, that feels much more like a PTSD presentation than um, kind of the irritability that goes with just day-to-day -day stressors or, or even medical stressors. The other thing to keep in mind is um, the longer the period is, the person's in a period of, of the stress. So again, going back to the example of like COVID or first-line healthcare workers where um, you know, they've, they've experienced repeated exposures to traumatic stress. We have what's called this like a dose response model where the more stress they experience, the more traumatic stress they experience, the more likely they are to develop a PTSD. So I think just keeping in mind um, the individuals you're working with and what their, um, what their life circumstances are bringing about for them. What advice, what words do you want people to keep in their head if they think that either someone, you know, in their work environment or someone in their life 
is experiencing PTSD and they want to bring it forward to, to help them, what, I know that can be a very tricky kind of conversation. So what do you want people to keep in mind when they're, when they're coming to that point in the discussion? Well, I think, um, you know, my experience has been that um, when someone is struggling and they may not be aware that this is in fact a condition and that their symptoms are, um, in many times we consider the post-traumatic stress symptoms normal in response to a very abnormal or traumatic experience. And so one, it, it can be very normalizing to um, to kind of help them understand um, what they're experiencing um, and give it, a, give it a label, for example. The other is the importance of uh, knowing that the role of family and social support. And so one of the variables that we have seen as being probably the most um, consistent is uh, as a resiliency factor is social support and um, looking at how you can bring in social support to help um, you know talk with them about what's happening um, you know, involve them in treatment get treatment yourself there are um, very good treatments out there for PTSD and the treatment that we're really excited about is a conjoint treatment where um, the treatment was uh, developed with the idea that um, PTSD occurs within a relationship. It's not just the individual that's impacted, but these symptoms, as we've discussed, um, are going to impact their, their loved ones in their life. And is there a way that we can um, support and treat the individual by kind of pulling in that family system and treating the PTSD within the context of the dyad? And so, um, so it, you know, to answer your question, one is to help normalize and validate what's with the experience, and then to really try to harness the benefits of social support and um, identify, you know, treatments that would be available for this individual and for their family system. So you touched there on this program that is, it, you know, in kind of it, it's in the research phase still, is it? Um, called Couple Hopes. So can you tell us a bit more, because it sounds like such a, a fascinating, wonderful project. Absolutely. Yeah, so Couple Hopes, it is in fact still in the research phase, meaning we are, uh, Dr. Monson and her team are evaluating the um, kind of the benefits, the effectiveness of this treatment. But I will say that um, Couple Hopes was developed from an already established um, intervention for couples that was developed by um, Candace Monson called uh, Cognitive Behavioral Conjoint Therapy for PTSD. And this already established, already um, tested intervention um, is a more traditional um, therapy intervention for couples with PTSD where one individual has PTSD. Couple Hopes was developed and is really in many ways distilled from this already established intervention as a more um, accessible uh, way to get this treatment out there. So um, we are optimistic, we're confident that, um, that this intervention is helpful and, and, and effective. It is still being tested, but the fact that it was developed from an already established intervention that has a lot of research to support it is um, certainly gives us a lot of optimism. Um, Couple Hopes is a web-based um, module of, um, uh, uh, it's an intervention for couples where it has um, seven modules and the couple can together um, watch the videos and partake in this intervention um, ac across these seven different modules. And um, we're really excited about um, being able to develop and evaluate the program. And uh, Dr. Monson, as I mentioned, is testing this and it would be helpful to allow people to uh, access this much more easily than traditional therapy. I think 
a lot of us understand that is one of the biggest barriers right now, especially when it comes to mental health services is accessibility and being able to, you know, actually get help when someone is ready for it. Can you talk a little bit more about how someone comes into using this program? Absolutely. So for the Couple Hopes program, um, as I mentioned, that this is currently being um, offered through a research study. And so um, right now, um, Dr. Monson and her team are recruiting um, Canadian veterans, uh, service members, first responders, and healthcare workers and their partners. And if, if someone is interested, they can go to the Couple Hopes website, which is couplehopes.com, and they can learn more about, uh, about you know, what this involves. They can complete the eligibility screen if they're interested in participating in the study. And um, this is something that is happening right now, and people can um, go online right now and see if they're eligible and if they're interested and could actually uh, get enrolled. And this program, like you said, it's based off something that that's already proven. Can you talk a little bit about what what it is that makes this type of intervention program effective for families who are dealing with PTSD? So there's a couple of components. I mean, one is, um, as I mentioned, that um, you're by definition bringing in the partner. So you're bringing, you're harnessing the benefits of the social support of the partner to um, systematically go through these modules. And the modules are set up to provide um, a lot of psychoeducation about um, PTSD, um, understand how PTSD impacts the relationship. And it also gives the couple some skills and some tools together to um, discuss um, how PTSD impacts the relationship and how together they can work with PTSD. Um, As I mentioned, one of the common symptoms of PTSD can be avoidance. And so by nature of the symptom, a lot of times the individual will pull away from the partner, um, will not talk about it, will not necessarily uh, have the skills to know how to talk about it. And then the partner without the PTSD also doesn't necessarily know how to understand that, doesn't necessarily know how to talk um, talk about it in the relationship. And so what um, what this program does, again, is allows this, this safe platform and provides um, skills for the couple to come together and approach the discussion and approach talking about the PTSD and approach talking about the impact on the relationship rather than avoid it. I think, you know, this is a topic that as we as we live with the pandemic and the impacts of the pandemic is going to become much more commonplace and much more important for us as a society. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about, you know, the importance of this work and and the field of PTSD and and what keeps you passionate about helping families. Absolutely. I mean, I I think that one is that we certainly realize PTSD is um, very common, more common than maybe um, we always thought. Um, I think more recently there was a lot of research that's really, Um, talking about the impact on families, on parenting, um, and that the role of the system. And and the exciting part is that there is exciting interventions that we know are effective, not just for the individual, but for the whole family system that allows the family to start healing um, and really um, takes advantage of the healing nature of a relationship. Um, which is a a little bit different than maybe how we've always looked at treatment, you know, historically where we treat the individual um, as if the individual lives in the vacuum versus treating the system that the individual's uh, residing within. Um, I think what's also very exciting in the last, you know, 
you know, two years is this appreciation for accessing treatments in non-traditional ways. So certainly um, it's been an interest of mine for a long time to look at innovative ways to increase access to care. So um, individuals who are struggling are, um, are able to get treatment. Um, the majority of individuals who are struggling with mental health are in fact not accessing care. And um, one of the challenges has been able to find ways with which people can much more flexibly uh, get connected with care when they're ready, when they need it. And keeping in mind, you know, people have busy schedules, they've got children at home, they have jobs. All of these um, can, um, can work against trying to get mental health care. So developing these treatments like Couple Hopes, where we're taking what we know already works, and then we're putting it into um, you know, a platform that is going to increase access and scalability. And because I think of the pandemic, more and more people are appreciating, one, that mental health is, is alive and present and we need to do something about it, but two, that we need to be much more creative in how we get treatments out to people. And so I think what's really exciting is with Couple Hopes is that you're we're taking the ingredients of, a, of a, an already established intervention and we're now um, kind of putting it in a platform that we know is going to have scalability and access. And, you know, we're testing this, of course, to make sure that the integrity of the treatment is intact. Um, but I think this is absolutely the direction we need to go in is making sure that we are not just looking at effective treatments, but we're looking at access to engagement with um, individuals that are getting have more disparity in terms of access. So I think this um, type of treatment is exciting because I think it's exactly the direction we need to be headed in with um, with our treatments. It certainly is exciting. That, and thinking of it from the NICU lens, you know, a lot of these families are in the NICU for, you know, weeks, sometimes months, and to have something that is accessible and online that the family and the partnership can take part in right from the start, I think is just, could be a game changer. <laughs> I, I, I like that word game changer because I do really believe that a lot of these treatments um, that are web-based like Couple Hopes are exactly able to be um, available when the couple is ready. When the individual and the couple are ready to get care, they can drive when that happens and when they start. And um, it really does go a long way in terms of taking these treatments and getting them to people when they need them. And so you described, for example, families that are under a very stressful situation, um, their ability to make a traditional treatment appointment weekly at a traditional setting is probably going to be far more challenging than um, than maybe someone else, but being able to actually online together go and do this when it works for their schedule is going to increase the likelihood that they're going to reap the benefits of it. So I do think, in fact, a lot of these treatments like Couple Hooks are game changers where we're taking what works and then we're testing it in a, in a platform that we know is going to be available and accessible and scalable. When you talk of it as a couple, sometimes that's an intimate partner situation, but I'm also wondering in terms of like a co-working situation and coworkers who who have to work very closely together under stressful situations have you have you been looking into that with this program or something similar as well so i know that that's something that may be down downstream that i think um has been discussed um that there's reason to believe that you know the 
skills that one gets from couple hopes um, would benefit any relationship. Um, right now we are looking at intimate partner relationships, but certainly you're absolutely correct that there's other relationships. There can be a parent-child relationship, there can be a sibling relationship, there could be a coworker relationship. Really, individuals that are close in your life that are your social support that can work with you together to look at how the PTSD might be impacting the relationship, but also how the social support can help the individual um, recover from their PTSD. So I think that um, there are other programs that are also looking at non-intimate relationships, and I certainly think Couple Hooks um, in the future might um, also be looking at that. I, I know this particular study is specifically looking at intimate partner relationships, um, but certainly there, there's no reason to think that in the future that would certainly be an option. Is there anything else about the program or about your field of research in general that you want to leave us with for this discussion? Um, no, I mean, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to um, to just kind of highlight, um, you know, the the what PTSD is, how it impacts relationships, and be optimistic about the fact that there are treatments out there and some of these exciting opportunities to get treatments in a more scalable way, like Couple Hopes, is, um, I think, a, a very um, exciting kind of endeavor. And, and certainly, if folks are interested, again, we are recruiting, um, and people can go to couplehopes.com. Uh, and if they're interested and eligible, we certainly would encourage people to check it out. Thank you so much for this discussion. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Dr. Leslie Moreland is a clinical psychologist specializing in PTSD. She's a professor of psychiatry at University of California, San Diego. The Couple Hopes Research Study is currently recruiting Canadian veterans, service members, first responders, and healthcare workers along with their partners. If you're interested in learning more and perhaps participating, you can visit couplehopes.com. NeoChats is a project of the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses. Thank you to WaterWipes, the world's purest baby wipes, for sponsoring NeoChats. The content producer and host is Jenna Morton. Technical production by Tosh Taylor of the Podcast Hub. For more information on the association, visit our website at www.neonatalcan.ca or our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages. 